Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Welcome to the FitPro podcast. My name is Jane Waller and today I am with Paul Edmondson, who many of you will know. And today we're going to talk about is fast tracking clients smart training. So welcome, Paul. And before we get started, could I ask you to take a minute or two just to tell our listeners, if they don't know you already, um, a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, first and foremost, thank you, Jane, for inviting me on the podcast. It's much appreciated. And okay. Uh, regarding myself, I, I, I'd firstly say that I'm a, a diligent student, first and foremost. Um, I don't profess to be an expert of anything, although, you know, I have titles of things like movement specialist and master trainer. But, you know, first and foremost, I'm a student of the, of the fitness industry. Um, I try to understand how human movement impacts our lives and how we should therefore train. A person for best success so kind of what I've done in my career path to date is I've been in the industry for 20 years uh, that's a long time I know yeah, um, dinosaurs. yeah. For, for 10 <laughs> for the first 10 years I was a full-time personal trainer group exercise instructor and then kind of like most people get to that stage it's like you know you want you almost want to not work early mornings and late nights. You almost want the, the nine to five dream job. Went down management route. Didn't really, uh, wasn't really for me looking after other people. I can barely look after myself, to be honest. Um, and then someone said, what about education? Why don't you get into teaching? And first of all, I thought, you know, a little bit shy by nature, believe it or not. So I flatly refused a couple of times and I was egged on and eventually I did. Um, thankfully did that and where I kind of stand at the minute is I teach for uh, a couple of fitness education companies around the country that look at entry-level courses for personal trainers career professional development courses for personal trainers and probably more of what I might be known for is 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 work with with TRX I've been working for TRX the suspension training based company uh, for almost a year so I run their sports medicine course in the UK and I run the suspension training course in the UK as well and for the last three years probably where most people see me on social media is all my overseas adventures where I work for Gray Institute and you know I go to Russia, Italy, um, various places in the in Middle East and Europe and I kind of look after the UK, Middle East and Europe from a from an education standpoint for Gary Gray and the, the Gray Institute, which is a, which is a, a privilege and an honor. So, yeah. so first and foremost, I'm a student. Secondly, I'm a trainer. And thirdly, I like to share what little knowledge I have with, with those that I get the opportunity to stand in front of and share information with. Well, so you're way too modest. Sure. You're way too modest for a start. <laughs> you yeah, you're too well, A wealth of information. And um, you're a huge asset. <clears throat> industry so I'm very pleased that someone pushed you into education and you share everything that you know. Um, So we need to talk about um, is fast tracking smart training 
and I'm sure you see a lot of things on your travels. So yeah. internationally, even here in the UK, as you go from gym to gym to gym, what are the biggest mistakes you see trainers making? It's a good question. Um, where where I see things in both in the UK and overseas is probably I see two two fundamental things that I think need to be considered in any training program that can't be overlooked and have to kind of make the you know the main ingredients of any any program that you work with any client so firstly i, I always see that the consultation process of a, of a training program is almost rushed do you know where you sit down and interview mm. a client and you find out who they are what they need and what they want i think trainers almost rush that aspect of it and they just sort of you know give me a goal whatever your goal is let, let's just attach that to a brand of training and let's go in the gym rather than actually sit down and you know what makes this person tick how's their you know what's their mental health what's their self-image what does their job involve what does their recreational habits involve do they have children and then look at their lifestyle and then break that, that down into movements and then do those movements then get transferred into the training program more often than not they're not so it's looking at the the person first and foremost what do they need what they want and getting to know your person on paper almost i always say to my students that you want to make, you want to know your client as much as their spouse knows them and almost that might seem a little bit invasive until you can know your client inside and out you you can't really help them the best way possible so you have to form that relationship first and foremost and you have to know exactly what they need and what they want otherwise you're not going to live up to their expectations and you're not going to deliver the best service possible so rather than fast track into the gym take the time and almost slow that and getting to know your client inside and out on paper first because that only helps your program moving forward so that's the first thing i would always say is that you know, understand who your client is, what they need, what they want, and then don't rush that into a gym program. Take that away, sit down and say, right, what, how does that break down into movements? What movements can I train to make that person's life more successful? Um, you know, less injury prone. How can I improve their sport performance? Rather than just assigning a random list of exercises that has nothing to do with that person's needs wants or goals there's there's all there's 99 percent often a mismatch between those two things so i think if we take the time as an industry to know who our client is on paper then you know we'll we'll have a better we'll have a better success to training ratio and what our client needs so i think that's the first thing and then the second thing i always see is that and this is probably an education's fault rather than the trainer's fault is you know, on day one, and I things that you're often shown is, um, you know, fundamental lifting, uh, squats, deadlifts, overhead presses, bent over rows, those types of things. And they're almost sort of seen as the, as the pinnacle of an exercise program. And unless you can do those things, you know, you're missing some sort of functional benefit or you're missing some form of aesthetics that the client really needs and wants. So they're almost fast-tracked on day one into those exercises rather than looking, you know, does the client have the prerequisites in their body to be able to move those joints that way, let alone put them in a loaded state into those yeah. positions. So first and foremost, I always say to my students is that that client they may have been sitting down 
for a in a desk job for 20 years and has done nothing since school yeah so to go straight into a squat rack and assume that they can squat with a heavy load is ridiculous yeah. you know we've, we've got to look at you know do they move well first and foremost if they move well which you know not every demographic yeah. moves very well these days we have to reinstate that movement quality if they if they lack that and then can I start building foundational strength on top of that before then I apply an artificial and external load. So it's almost like that should come last. Mm. And it's the, the person's body that should be trained and looked and viewed and strengthened first and foremost. So those are the two kind of things that I look, I look at yeah. that, we, that we miss in the industry. And we kind of almost fast track to that weight stuff where it should be the, yeah. the consultation first the body weight fundamental second and then yeah. almost the the strength training and the typical sort of Olympic lifting styles that are very common nowadays should be the, the end goal rather than the start process. And it's almost, it's almost expectational. I think, you know, with a lot of clients that will come to see a PT, that's what they know. That's what they expect. Oh, I'm going to start with a PT and I'm going to start with squats and, you know, and, and lunges and chest presses and all those traditional exercises. So the smart PT actually has to almost re-educate them and, and um, get them in tune with their body and, and, as you say, just explore what they are capable of and, and set them up for success. So, exactly. um, you know, I, I completely get that. So, you, you, I mean, obviously you talk about movement. Movement is your specialty. Um, mm. Three-dimensional movement, why is it so relevant and so vital in, in training to, you know, to get people started at that sort of that, you know, that first phase? Yeah, good question. So I think, again, if we kind of go back to the last question and how most trainers train their clients, they take them in and they kind of give them those, those five big lifts and they're very typically one dimensionally mm. um, focused. So if you look at most apparatus in a gym, most exercise in the gym and you kind of looked and said, well, what plane of motion is that exercise performed in? 99 times out of 100 it will be a, a very sagittal plane dominant exercise and that kind of goes back 50 60 years based on muscle physiology and it's the best way to attack a muscle or the best way to gain strength and whilst that's true that you need to move linear especially when you're he lifting heavy weights you have to have a stable platform and if you're lifting a heavy weight, you can only lift it very linear. You can't triangulate yeah. lifting a heavy weight because you get injured. Sure. So if your goal is strength, then that linear style of training has merit and it has benefit. I mean, the research validates that. It's been around for 50, 60 years. But when you take yourself outside the four walls of a gym and you actually look at real life and sport, those two things are never linear. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, life is completely three-dimensional. Yeah. Dancing, football, rugby, tennis, picking your kids up, playing, etc. Everything's three-dimensional. So if we don't train that way, mm. then our program or end result is not functional. It's not going to set our client up, like you said a minute ago, yeah. for success. Yeah. We're going to build strength in them in a very robotic nature. But then when they're Saturday comes around, they're playing golf. If they have to swing a golf club, which is very rotationally heavier movement. Yeah. Finding zip power in that, that manner, then they're. So kind of where I look at things from a three dimensional. 
recording. Okay. Yeah, so if you look at the, the golfer, for example, if you, if you take the golfer into the gym and you give them squats and lunges and deadlifts and everything that's very sagittal plane biased, and then they go out on the golf course on the weekend and everything is very rotational when you hit the golf, the golf ball, then you're not setting that golfer up for success. Their performance is going to diminish and their injury risk is going to go up. So if you want functional training, you have to look at what the movement outcomes are to, to map that exercise to get the best result possible. Yeah. So performance, life, sport is three-dimensional. So you have, to, you have to train that way. But also, if you look at how our bodies are put together, if you look at our joints, our skin, our connective tissue, our fascia, it lays down along the lines that you stress it. So if you stress it in a very three-dimensional way, it gets very elastic, very strong, very resilient along different lines of stress, which means you can move more uh, explore, exploratory and you know, you're, you're better set up for what real life's going to throw at you. Whereas if you don't stress those lines, anytime you're taken off those linear lines that you're training in the gym, you know, you, you, your chances of tearing a tendon, ripping a ligament, mm -hmm. damaging skin, um, having some sort of joint problem is exacerbated because you're not training the physiology based on what it needs and what it wants. Our body is, is a three-dimensional creature. It needs to move that way. And ultimately, if you don't move a joint, let's say, it's going to shrink and take away that movement if you don't use it. The principle of, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. Uh, so that's a principle we all know in the fitness industry. Yeah. But we don't respect that when it comes to training and movement, which is which is crazy in my eyes because yeah. every joint, every muscle, every every aspect of our body needs to be challenged from different angles because if you don't challenge it, it gets taken away from you. Yeah. And when you get that taken away from you, you know, your movement quality goes down, your injury risk goes up, and it's only then you think, damn, I wish I'd trained that. If yeah. So, yeah, so yeah our, body, our body needs it. Yeah, our body needs it first and foremost, and life and sport is three-dimensional. So it's functional to fitness and functional to life, and it's functional to what our body requires. So we have to, we have to look at the body in 3D. Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. What about the core? How did, you haven't mentioned the core per se, how does that fit into 3D movement? Yeah, and good question. And even from a safety, from a safety perspective, a lot of rotation with rotate, you know, with 3D movement, a lot of multi-directional movement. Um, so there's a safety issue there. So where does the core come into play there? Yeah, I think, I think I, I can speak from my own experience on this. I, for a person that's been in the fitness industry for 20 years, I probably spent the first 12 years being scared stiff of a spine. It was almost like yeah. anyone had a spinal issue, back pain, uh, anything to do with core movements. It was always, right, let's, let's keep this area very static, very neutral, mm -hmm. very safe, because it's not designed to move. But when, you, when you actually look at what it is, a lot... So talking about um, 3D movement, multidirectional movement, obviously that puts a lot of pressure on the spine or there's a lot of movement around the spine so from a, um, a safety consideration um, yeah. considering there's so much movement where does the core come into play 
Yeah, so the core is one of those areas that, you know, for, for the first 11 years of the 20 years that I've been in the fitness industry, the spine's always been probably the, the height of concern or the biggest consideration when you're, when you're training a human body. And, you know, I, I spent years being scared stiff of training a spine or exercising someone with X condition or, and I, I kind of, I think the industry as a whole is very scared of mm. a spine and what to yeah. do with it. But if you, if you look at it, you know, you, you've got 33 bones in a spine. If, if it was not made to move, God would have given you one bone. Yeah. Because there's 33 pieces there, and they all have relative movement between each of those bones, it means that hair area has to move. And it's like we said in the previous question, if you don't move a joint, that joint literally rots away and dies and becomes arthritic. And if we want to prevent arthritis, osteoporosis, then we have to move these structures, and we have to move them the way that God designed. And God designed all these joints to move in three planes of motion. So if we keep our spine neutral, keep our spine stiff, like we're told to in most exercise programs, that might prevent you getting back pain at that particular time. But as and when you need to move the spine in real life, you're not training it for what it needs to do outside of the gym. And the best way I can describe it is this. If you're lifting a heavy weight, if you go back to our squat and deadlift programs, like mm -hmm. most trainers are doing, then you have to respect the fact that the spine has to stay neutral in those environments because you're under heavy load. You're in a very linear situation. So the best way to look after and protect your spine in that environment is to keep it neutral and keep it stiff. But if you want a spine to be functional and you want it to be able to withstand the rigors of life, you have to say, right, this thing moves in three dimensions. Therefore, I have to move it in three dimensions. And if I do that, then I can play tennis better. I play golf better. I walk better. I run faster. So it's not you should almost ditch what you know and say, right, let's move a spine. First and foremost, you have to move it. When you're ready. Okay. okay so, yeah, don't ditch your regular training if you're training for strength and you're training those squats and deadlifts then respect the fact that the spine and the core need to be neutral to give you success and resilience in that exercise but if you want a core that is functional for real life and functional for sport then you have to kind of strip back the loading parameters and look at body weight and move in a spine and move in a core in all three dimensions because that is real life and if we want to prevent arthritis and osteoporosis, then we have to move it because if we don't, that joint mm -hmm. literally starts to rot away and die. And that's the, that's the sad reality of where we are as an industry. We're not, we're not moving people as, as nature designed and we're not having an impact like we think we should be on things like arthritis and osteoporosis. We could do more as an industry if we kind of take the ego out of fitness and the loading strength gains out mm. of fitness and say Let, let's strip it back to movement let's look at mo movement first and foremost and let's combine that and blend that with some of the strength stuff so we can we can get the best of, best of both worlds so to answer the question simply yeah a core has to be has to be challenged with movement rather than stillness 
and it has to be challenged in three dimensions rather than just one because it's it's just yeah. like every other part of the body there's, there's yeah. no less important or no important than your knee or your ankle it's just another joint in the body that is part of a system yeah i think i'm though in my next question i actually think i know the answer to this before you before i even <laughs> ask it but but it is the one that um i suppose is the six million dollar question um what is considered the best training is it traditional or is it three-dimensional yeah again in the industry you're either on one side of the fence yeah. or you're on the other side of the fence and when you look back at it or when you look at it from the outside looking in both of those demographics have a right and a wrong so strength training traditional training there's nothing wrong with it in mm. fact it's been around for years you know if it, if it didn't work it wouldn't be relevant today so if you take a, a traditional training style approach that's linear it's loaded yeah that's hugely beneficial for aesthetics uh, weight loss muscle mass strength bone density etc 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 we know that as an industry really well yeah. and you can't deny that most people want that you know if you yeah. give that to anybody or if you offer that on a plate to anybody they'll, they'll snap your arm off so why would you not want to do that in your training you'd be mad not to do it but also if you look at the other side of the coin like we've just said that life and sport are three-dimensional joints and muscles and skin and connective tissue lay down in a very three-dimensional manner so your body and life is three-dimensional therefore if you train that way your body and your day-to-day -day outcomes reap the benefits so if you want functional fitness and aesthetics you want performance and injury prevention rather than picking one or the other what you should do is you should yeah, pick both exactly. yeah. try and program both of them into your week yeah. if you train four times a week why not do two traditional linear load training days and then two three-dimensional movement training days it just yeah. it makes sense get the best of both benefits and you know a much better outcome in the, in the long yeah. run i would just sort of taking it on a bit of a tangent here, I mean, obviously you're heavily involved with um, TRX and I know you've done a lot of work with Viper as well and both are, you know, tools that really support functional three-dimensional movement. Yeah. Um, but they also require, they almost require a, a higher level of thinking as far as the PT is concerned to yeah. deliver effective training programs using, you know, using these functional tools. So what would be your advice to PTs around equipping themselves with three-dimensional? I mean, obviously they don't have to use equipment, but, you know, they would expect to use equipment and clients would expect to use equipment. So what would you say to them about equipping themselves with the knowledge on, on working three-dimensionally and, um, um, you know, effectively with functional training? Yeah. Um like we had the conversation just off air before mm -hmm. this i think as as the pt entry level courses are still much the same as they were 10 and 15 years ago the education that permits you to come into the industry hasn't evolved that much the, the entry level courses have been the same as they were 15 and 20 years ago to a large degree 
And where the sort of three-dimensional stuff is relatively new on the block, yeah. it's not necessarily taught at that foundational level. Yeah. So if I you're agree. a new PT that comes into the industry, this three-dimensional stuff almost might be, you know, what the hell's that? So it's a yeah. new thing. I don't know anything about it. Where most people would probably go with that is they would jump onto Facebook or Instagram and start to look for a few things that kind of involve those methods of training and they would replicate that or they would copy that or mm. implement that in their own style of training but then you're not really sort of delving into the why and you're not yeah. scrutinizing why you're actually doing that in the first place so i think if i was to impart some wisdom for want of a better word i think that you should almost almost check your own ego i suppose as a trainer and say look i don't know that yeah. I need to find out more about that. So I would go into, you know, search engines. I would get books. I would go on to courses like Viper online courses. I would go on to TRX courses and I would want to find out from the horse's mouth exactly what it is, mm -hmm. what it does, why it works and how to do it safely and effectively rather than just make up stuff, explore yeah. with your own body and then not really know if I'm doing myself justice let alone my client and then just sort of play with things that might be detrimental to them in the long run so i would invest in education to, to learn more yeah that makes complete sense and as you said you know you're a, you're a student first and foremost and you've been around for 20 years but you know yeah. as the industry I, I, evolves, so do we yeah exactly and i, I think any right-minded person out there w would never say that they know everything you know, as long as I live, I could spend the rest of my day studying and I'll still know 3% of what's out yeah. there. There's so much to what goes into how a human body works, how it's put together, how best to trade. There's, you know, so much that goes into it. That you just can never know everything. Yeah. Yeah. But what you can do is you can always learn more and, yeah. you know, stay curious and want to better yourself. And that, that, so, that journey never ends. It certainly doesn't. So, Paul, just sort of wrapping up, coming to sort of like the, the final minutes of this. I mean, what, as a, as a last minute of, the, of final advice to trainers on this, on this topic, on the you know, whole idea of fast tracking is not necessarily <coughs> smart training. Is there any other yeah. final thoughts that, you know, you would like to add? Anything that we've missed that you, is burning that you want to say? Uh, yeah, two things. I'll probably go back to the first question and the previous question. So the first question would be to, for the trainers that are out there, I would actually just take that extra time in that consultation process with your client and actually listen more. Just kind of mm -hmm. actually just take that first half an hour, hour session and just hand it over to them and just say, right, tell me exactly what you need and what you want and then just listen with open ears and open mind and really you know take the time to understand who this individual is what makes them tick what they really do need rather than just you know apply a brand of training that you think yeah. is going to suit them right then and there so listen more so i think the first and foremost is listen and connect with your client that'd be the first thing i would almost encourage people to do and then the last thing or the second thing I would encourage people to do is in your diary, go into your own training diaries and like you have your own 
clients training sessions put in there like monday four to nine you have all these clients in at particular times and your own training workouts maybe actually within that i would there's an alarm going off in the house hang on one <laughs> sec let's pick that up again yeah so it's a microwave and not a fire alarm <laughs> yeah <laughs> mrs downstairs burning something um so yeah i would as well as the the clients in your diary that have their times and their weekly slots booked in and you might have your own training workouts booked in like in the middle of the day or the middle of the afternoon when you're quiet i would also have every day for maybe 30 minutes or 60 minutes have you time that involves you going into something online reading a book or doing something from an education standpoint that makes you question what you know and makes you explore something on a higher level and then maybe once every couple of months, every three months, actually do something that's face-to-face -face or online learning where you're, you know, you're investing some of your hard-earned cash back into your own education and your own yeah. business. Because, you know, we could, we could all do more. We could all learn more. And if we invested in ourselves and put that back into our clients and our business you know everyone reaps the benefits because of that so i think listen and education would be my yeah. two things that i would love trainers to be able to you know do as their 2020 habit maybe yeah and it's and it's great advice uh paul thank you so much for your time really appreciate you um joining us today it's a great topic uh and i'm you know i'm i'm sure that a lot of our listeners will take something away from this that um they will implement straight away and will make a difference to um, the way they train their clients. So thank you. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jane. If they can take one or, one or two of things away from today, then it's been a, yeah. it's been a worthwhile 20 minutes. So that would be, that would be my aim and my wish for this. So thank you again for having me and I look forward to connecting with you again down the line soon. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.